What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Matt Lee. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself the Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and, and talk, talk about, about it. it. Once again, reminding you to give us five stars in a review right up top. Just, just another reminder. Uh, it is my favorite thing and I love it. Also... Fucking um, people are actually going to the subreddit, Vince. Wow, that's doing great. It. Do we get a yeah. dollar every time that happens? Nope, we get nothing Damn. at all. Damn. But we don't have to do anything, and people can talk about stuff. So that rules. Um, yeah, no, it'd be sick if we got money. <laughs> uh, speaking of money, patreon.com slash frockcast. We're going to need it. Mm-hmm. Right? Right, Vince? That's right. I'm soon to be laid <laughs> off. Uh, you guys, you guys heard it here first. I'll spill, yeah. the, spill the tea on some podcast that isn't uh, dedicated specifically to the wire. But uh, yeah, subscribe to that Patreon. It's going to be yeah. potentially my uh, only source of of income. Sixteen soon. long years at Uproxx, <laughs> and they finally were like, "Who's Vince?" <laughs> yeah. And then you they... get a new CEO, and he's just like, "Who? I don't care about this guy. Get him out of here." Elon Musk shows up and he's just like, um, we need more race science in our film <laughs> reviews. Can he measure skulls? <laughs> yeah. Uh so patreon.com slash broadcast, please. We need someone who can measure skulls and is really conversant in Rick and Morty. I don't know what <laughs> accent love, that is. But... <laughs> I love the accent. No one knows what accent he's doing, yeah. so it's fine. Um, okay, today we are talking about, from season two of The Wire, episode 12, Port in a Storm, and our guest today, oh, you know him, you love him, you listen to his music, you read his tweets, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else, our guest today is Max Collins. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. See, I was going to clap, but I thought you were going to do the clap. right, I forgot that I had that. Oh, fuck. Oh shit! I I have the. <laughs> the gods! What am I saying? Okay, so I switched. <laughs> I, okay. I switched the soundboard to all Jar Jar, 
Oh, the fuck. <laughs> I didn't know that was... Is that like when your font switches to wingdings all of a sudden? Yeah, it's yeah. like when... Yeah, exactly. My font is now all... Well, that smells stinking with. So, um, <laughs> thank you, Max, so much for coming on. Uh, you know, we, we had you on to talk about The Sopranos, uh, and it was a very fun episode. And then as soon as this started, um, I, I hit you up, and I was like, The Wire time. So, so tell me. Max Collins, do you like The Wire? Yeah, I I saw The Wire for the first time. God, I don't. When did the show even come out? Two thousand two. Two thousand two. I probably saw it in like oh six. I want to say, um, and I've been wanting to rewatch it again for for a while. And um, I I'd actually been trying to convince my my girlfriend to be willing to like watch it with me for for like a couple years now because like and and yeah and i would just bring bring it up you know yeah. every every few months or so like you know Please. i really think you'd get into it you know <laughs> she had seen like she had seen like part of season one yeah that, um, that it's really hard to get someone into it who isn't sold on it right out the gate like yeah did, did she try to start it and then go i i can't this is just not for me i it was it was the case of like negative association too because she had watched it with an ex who was mm. like an asshole so so there was that at play as well um but yeah so you're reaching out and saying hey you know we're doing the wire now um would you like to come on and i was like i was like listen babe you know <laughs> there's uh there's this you know, podcast. there's this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there's this, this po podcast that um they talk about the wire and they really want me to do it. And believe it or not, that was the push, you know, that was that was the push that she needed to mm -hmm. um you know just have that tiny bit of willingness yeah to give it another go. She's all in now, by the way. Oh, and, that's good. Yeah, I was on. worried that this story was yeah. gonna end with us uh, ruining your relationship. So I'm glad yeah, it could go either that way. Had, uh, happened. No. No, she's like all in. Um, we're on season four now, and she last night she was extolling the virtues of the show while the show was on. So I had to, you know, <laughs> you had to pause. Like, okay, I, yeah, yeah, get it okay. out. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I, I told you. Yeah, yeah, greatest yeah. show ever made. Important, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, what well, I have to ask you guys when you were coming up for the name. For this pod, did you consider, um, did you consider calling it Pod Yourself A The Wire? I did. Or did you know? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because uh -huh. I feel like there's something there too. Not yeah. that I think you landed on something good, but I think Matt said Pod Yourself A Wire, and I suggested Pod Yourself The Wire because it sounded dumber and more obvious that we were making like a bad play on word. I think that's how yeah. it went, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. And then at some point, because uh, at the beginning, every as soon as we thought like, you know, oh, if we do the wire, we'll call it like pod down in the hole mm -hmm. or when you pod yeah. through the garden. Right. And uh, and then, yeah, I think eventually it was just like, mm, we should probably keep some level of like brand as annoying as it says it is to say, but branding. I was like, you know, then you know i don't want people to like not know what the name of the fucking i want them to be able to like guess what the name is which actually we still didn't accomplish because pod yourself the I wire think, makes no fucking sense 
No, but I think you kind of got the best of both worlds because you did get to, you did the branding thing a little bit while also kind of making fun of the branding thing a little bit. Yes. That's the way it feels at least. That's what yes. you're going for. We're always torn between uh, making a really clever inside joke and having it make sense to someone who doesn't already uh, like patronize all of our stuff. Yeah. Cause, like when we were naming pod yourself a gun, we were like, oh, we should do it, Frot Yourself a Gun, because it's like a Frotcast spinoff. But it was right, like, right. I don't know. I don't feel like no one but Frotcast listeners is going to get that. And they already, it's already uh, a, a mountain to climb to have to explain Frotcast every time. But uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then also. It's a it, little it, inside baseball for all the listeners out there. No, but. A little, it, a little peek behind the curtain. Exactly. But we do say the sub, you know, title of it, it's Pod Yourself the Wire a the wire podcast <laughs> right. and that's good so <laughs> so that uh that is how we made up it was like no we need to keep it stupid but keeping it stupid is the the whole point if i feel like it's a good way to introduce people to what the show is because any other like podcast that's like a tv rewatch is they're either doing some esoteric line from the show that only like real g's will get or um yeah there's a reason it's not called like the wireology or some shit like that right like, right like right. you know or understanding the why it's just like no it's just it's stupid yeah <laughs> and, and people need to know i think up top that this show is stupid otherwise they're gonna come into it and they're gonna be like oh um, i kind of came here for a treatise on uh the post-industrial uh baltimore and uh the yeah. drug game and it's like no, we're. I mean, yeah, we no. talk talk about that stuff, but also we talk about how McNulty is just a representation of um, Irish scoundrels in America. I think it's a good it's a good general rule to do what you can to keep your audience's expectations as low as possible. A- absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, hey, Sabak, yeah. do you like the Hard in the Blender song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Frank Sabak. <laughs> um so you guys are at season four of the wire um what this was your girlfriend's first time seeing the wire season two and this was your second time is that right yeah so what uh what were your thoughts do you remember your thoughts when you first saw the wire season two and what your thoughts are now that you've rewatched it yeah it's so sad it's like yeah it's it's yeah it's so sad you know like um you know that some of some of the more uh i mean maybe like one of the most pathetic like pitiful characters mm-hmm. of all time um appears ziggy. in season two yeah <laughs> good old yeah. ziggy poor ziggy um, man <laughs> yeah um just, just the the i mean the butt of every joke and just a guy we all recognize in some form, especially if you've ever met um, a comedian who no one likes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and like I can see enough of myself in Ziggy, too, you know, like totally. that just that that uh, that, you know, that part of you that's that's just like you know hell bent on like seeking out indignity and <laughs> and and suffering yeah. like that guy lives in me a little bit you know i don't i don't let him drive the car necessarily right like he's in, he's in the car you know yeah he's he's there he's telling yeah. me to like swerve 
into another car as a bit. Bring that bridge. What do you yeah. need it for anyway? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes when I'm driving on the road at night, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, Ziggy, you know, I don't know if there is a more, like, pathetic and sympathetic character on the wire. Um, and, and I mean, obviously there's so many sympathetic characters. I mean, it's saying a lot that like literally the show revolves around like these like alcoholics and drug addicts and people getting locked up and killed for stuff. But like the person who I feel the most sorry for is this fucking loser who yeah. just can't get out of his own way. Um, and of course, you know, that's those are my thoughts now because I, you know, I just finished season two of The Wire. And I know that once we get to like season four, I will be reminded that there is uh, much, much sadder characters. Um, I, I don't think I don't think I, I recognized Frank Sabatka for like the, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the proper term would be because he beefcake. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, for as as noble like a character yeah. as he is, the first yeah. time around, I think I saw him more. I don't know more as you know, kind of another wayward schlub. But he was yeah. like, he was really, he was really trying to do what's right within the within these impossible parameters, you know. Yeah, and and was was a good leader and you know, kind of did as much as you could being uh, dealt the hand that he was dealt, I feel like. Yeah. Like, you know, he was a virtuous guy, you know. Even yeah, I mean, he... he's doing what the main thrust of, like, all American politics has been for the last 70 years, which is just like, hey, we can go back to the past. We can, we can, uh, yeah, yeah. We could remember when things were good and we had it good. Let's just let's go back. Let's go build a house in the in the past. And he thought that uh, you know mm -hmm. he thought he was going to yeah, pull that one off. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Which I guess you know he was you know deluding himself in that way. But the thing the thing that you know the the he looked out for his people when he you know you you got the sense the sense that when he was doing corruption he was doing it you know, for as valid a reason yeah. as, as any, totally. anyone else in the show who you can kind of understand why they're, why they're doing what they're doing, you know? Yeah. He's like, not, um, he's not just doing it to line his pockets. Yeah. Most way, people like, are doing that as a grift. He was doing that yeah. to genuinely, uh, like save his, uh, tribe, save his people. Yeah. 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 His, his, his tribe of people who, you know, are, like they're doing a job that is a hundred years from now. He wants Pollocks to still be trying <laughs> to turn in light bulbs the way they have for generations. You know, yeah, like yeah. He wants the, dumbly a hundred years too from much now, to ask. He wants five guys to be trying to turn a ladder. Apparently so. Guys, <laughs> that's a great. Sorry, uh, I, I kept the Polish jokes to a minimum. Uh, you season, did. Which I don't tough. know why. It was tough. Yeah. No, this you're allowed. Um, but I this feel bad for them because, like, I like other jokes that are based on stereotypes. Like you sort of see in real life. Like I don't know 
that there's any truth to the Polish stereotype. It's just like, I feel like it's funny because we just picked a random group of people and we're like, yeah, they're totally stupid. That's what it does feel like. It feels like like years ago, maybe in the 30s, let's say, everyone (laughs) was just like... We need an ethnic white category that's just like their their entire stereotype is just dumbass. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everyone chose the Polish, which uh probably unfair to mm-hmm. uh millions of Poles out there. But and then, yeah, God- and it's like funnier because it is unfair and like completely out of like at random. We just picked someone and we're like, ah yeah. Dave's a dumbass. Let's let's yeah, go with that. Yeah. Let's riff on it for a hundred years. What, what ethnicity are you? <laughs> we want to know. But this isn't a podcast about uh, trying to find out what ethnicity Dave is. No, this is a The Wire podcast, and we it's about of course trying to find out what ethnicity the Greek is. That's right, mm-hmm. and we of course cannot start the podcast without first playing the theme song. When you Hard. the garden. You got a pod. Well, I beg your pod. Walk the straight podcast. Trail. If you pod. With Jesus, he's gonna save the docks. You gotta keep the Polish pod. Down in the hole. All right, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else today, once again, we're going to be talking about from season two of The Wire, episode 12, Port in a Storm. This is the season finale of The Wire season two. Um, So, Vince, can you please break us off a little piece of that synopsis? I'm pretty sure you wrote this one, but I'm going to read it anyway. Frank dies, Greeks run, union done. Yeah. There's uh, once again, I, you know, I, I looked at the synopsis on IMDb and it is a whole ass paragraph. So, yeah, those are the things. Um, and uh, Vince, this episode came out August 24th, 2003. Can you tell us what was happening at the time that this episode came That's out? That's right, Matt. I think what you're trying to say is uh, we cannot evaluate art divorced from its cultural context. That's right. And uh, we're going to put some of that cultural context right back in with a little something that we like to call the back in the day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back in the day machine tells the tale, son. Dude, I just realized that was a conversation you had with the Uproxx people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The news hole is shrinking and we have no more room for funny voices anymore. So, (laughs) yeah. Vince? Bye. Yeah. Yeah. I'm See sorry, dude. Uh, anyway, uh, we're going all the way back to August 24th, 2003. That's how far back in the day we're going. Damn. The dog days of summer. Uh, mm. Probably the biggest news story. Uh, I think the Post gets the, the award for he- best headline on this story. Sicko strangled Nazi con slays infamous priest. I don't remember that happening. Yeah. Um, Pedophile ex-priest John Gilgan, the convicted Boston child molester and a central figure in the Roman Catholic Church's sex abuse scandal, was murdered by another inmate in a prison fight yesterday, officials said. Oh, shit. Uh, Wow. I think this was the guy that, uh, what was that movie? Uh, Spotlight? Spotlight. Yeah, Spotlight. That's the wrong one. No, no, you got to do, it's Boston. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
uh, I think that was who the movie was about. Uh, Gilgan, tw- 67, was injured in a fight at a medium security prison in Shirley, Mass., and died several hours later, they said. Gilgan was choked to death, a source said, told the Boston Herald. Is that is that officially what it's called, a medium security prison? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I know there's maximum. Yeah, they call it a like, Goldilocks prison. I like it. It's so That's strange. Right. How's the security here? Well, I'm medium. <laughs> you, <laughs> escape, <laughs> you escape a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, more than 130 people had filed suits against Gilgan, claiming he sexually abused them when he served as a priest in several Boston area parishes. Nearly a year ago, the Archdiocese of Boston settled the cases of 86 of Gilgan's victims for $10 million. So uh, he was just like the Genghis Khan of uh, child molestation, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, fuck. Um, Um, I like Sicko Strangled. That's very good. Yeah, no, that's a good headline. Sicko Strangled, semicolon, Nazi Khan slays infamous priest. Okay, so now I understand That's how you write with nouns and verbs right there. So the guy who killed him was a Nazi? Uh, Apparently. I mean, he was, who knows? He was a white guy in jail in Boston. It didn't really say much about... (laughs) That in the actual article, but uh, yeah, it's very uh, uh, heartbreaking meme. You know, <laughs> worst guy you know is right about <laughs> yeah. <one>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he might be a Nazi, but uh, you know, a broken clock kills the right guy yeah. twice a day. <laughs> yeah, it kills the right priest. Uh, other news. Um, this one is a little more fun, I guess. Uh, virus rider uses porn site to flood internet. Uh, well, I don't know I if you guys yeah. remember this virus. The source of the virus that triggered internet chaos across the world was finally identified yesterday. FBI investigators have tracked down the origin of the virus, known as So Big P, to a porn website in Phoenix, Arizona. It was put on the internet in the guise of a photograph posted in an adult news group, a forum where users post messages and pictures. When people clicked to download the picture, their computers became infected and spread the virus, which emailed copies of itself from their accounts. I don't remember. I don't remember this particular virus at all. This is uh, so people thought they were getting porn, but instead yeah, they were getting instead, a, they were... a virus that sends porn. Yeah, something. I don't know what the point of the virus was, but it was seems a virus. like a. It almost seems like everyone wins in this scenario. They were but... just doing it for the love of the game back then. It wasn't necessarily to get money. It was just like, hey, what if, uh, what if we just fucked up some shit? Yeah, I like virus writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very elegant. <laughs> it's it's uh, not coder or whatnot. It's someone who's like, no, I've got a narrative to this virus. Um, you know how people watch your tits? <laughs> yeah. Um, other news. Kobe crime scene, the inn place to be. Another great oh, no. post headline. Uh, the resort town of Edwards, Colorado has a new tourist attraction. The hotel mm. room where Kobe Bryant is alleged to have raped a 19-year-old concierge. Jesus Christ. Wow. Super normal. A, a tourist attraction? Like, people were going, like, hey, where's that uh, Kobe rape room? Yeah. I, I mean, they don't really source this story at all. They just sort of make a claim and uh, just let it hang there. But, um, yeah. Oh, it's funny. You you have the timestamp of when this story came out. Uh, 4 a.m. I think they all are has, say 4 a.m. on them because I think they oh. were like digitized them later, at, you know, at some point. Okay. I, I don't know. That's what all the post stories say. Anyway. All right. That's fine. Uh, yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, last story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what to say about that. That's pretty yeah. fucked up. But uh, other than, uh, woof, man. Yeah. Woof, America. You know. Now you can just stay at the helicopter crash site, I guess. 
Uh, <laughs> last you, sign dog. of the time. Fuck you. Uh, I'm hooked on the OC. New soap about rich kids has hit potential, which I think is a pretty accurate review uh, of the OC. How can a show this bad be so good? That's what's so perplexing about the OC, Fox's new primetime soap about a bunch of gorgeous, spoiled, rich teens. I know it's not a great show, and yet I cannot resist it. Many viewers can't resist it either, and the series is growing in the ratings week by week. I never I never watched a single episode of that oh, show. So The first I, I, season is fantastic trash television. Is it? Yeah, absolutely. I never I never fucked with it. There's I a just, mean water polo guy and it turns out his dad's gay. So much stuff happened. Like That well that that sounds fascinating. And then there's um, a there's a kid from the wrong side of the tracks, which is just Chino. And everybody like whenever he comes around, they're like, Who the like fuck Italian? is this guy? And they're like, Oh, he's from Chino. Oh, he's from Chino. I thought yeah. his name was Tino. No, no, he's from Chino. It's uh oh. it's the guy who is a Bitcoin uh like the leading Bitcoin skeptic now. Um he wrote a book about yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who writes with Jacob Silverman. I'm trying to remember his for, name. I'm yeah, sorry I that I can't for, can't remember it I, at the moment. I never saw that show either, but I do remember it being funny when it came out because, like, growing up in Southern California. Yeah. And, and, and knowing that no one ever called Orange County the OC. <laughs> no one called ever. it that. No one. <laughs> it was the most annoying. That, that, I think, was the barrier of entry for me because it was, like – the oc what is that it was like orange county i was like bro no one says no the one OC. says that it's no it's that. now they insane. do they willed it into reality yeah they did they made That's it true the, yeah that is true I, I remember learning a lot about weird things that people in northern california assume southern californians say like for example uh socal i always felt like was something i would hear on the news mm-hmm. um yeah. And uh, then, you know, as soon as I go to Northern California, everyone's like, oh, so you're from SoCal. And I was like, I don't know what that is. So it used to be a hard split. You could tell when someone was from NorCal because they said hella. Uh, right. And hella, yes. like as a term. I mean, I remember this from like junior high. It started a little north of Fresno County where I grew up. So like if you were from, say, Stockton or San mm-hmm. Jose, I think even Modesto, I think it started probably in Modesto, like everywhere from there up, everybody said hella and no one. I had, never, mm-hmm. yeah. I had never heard that term before until I went to skateboarding camp in Visalia. Hell yeah. <laughs> in, <laughs> in, That's um, perfect. Like between seventh and eighth grade. Uh, and, and, everyone like up there was like hella 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 i was like what the fuck i never heard heard this before um i still think it's weird when people who aren't from uh northern california say hella but yeah it's too, what am i gonna do about it yeah i remember yeah this, the same experience it was christian camp uh at bass lake i think and i met kids from like stockton and san jose and uh and they would say hella and actually like when they wanted to censor themselves they would say hecka which is just like hecka is my favorite fingernails on the chalkboard oh i i remember people saying because i had first heard it when i moved to santa cruz for college everyone was saying hella and then there was one kid who was the hecka guy like (laughs) it was like no adults around he still was a hecka guy and yeah. I like, like hell him. is barely a cuss word, and hella is even like a, a like a step removed from a cuss yeah, word. It's incredibly, watered. it's incredibly benign already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've watered it down. <laughs> it's almost, you know, like yeah. How could it still be a 
you know, it might as well be hello. Is hello a swear word? And then, yeah, but these guys are like, no, 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 no. We don't want to invoke the devil when (laughs) I'm trying to say fucking. So (laughs) instead, I'm going to say hecka, which I, I, you know, I like the guy who said the hecka guy was my favorite guy. So I was just like, all right, fine. Yeah, we'll allow it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I started saying it once I, you, when you're surrounded with it, it's hard to not eventually just pick up a, a hella. It's so insidious because you hear it and you're like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then you start saying it as a joke. And then after a yes. while, like the, the, the sarcasm uh, disappears from it. And then, then you're just saying, oh my God. Hella. Yeah. I mean, so many words that are now just in my lexicon there's nothing i can do about it started that way and like i'm i moved to la in like 1990 from florida and people didn't say dude in florida like either i mean now like you know dude is everywhere it dude wasn't everywhere at that point like no it was a very california thing it was like yeah if you made fun of someone from california you'd be like dude and that was like the impression and now everyone says dude dude normal everywhere and and for me the big one was bro which i didn't say because the people who said bro were always like the worst people i was like people who just constantly like oh bro i was like, like Ugh. and then i started saying it ironically and now mm-hmm. all i want to do is talk say bro with my bros yeah yeah so um anyway well, i feel like you guys yeah. are hella contextualized now and uh, <laughs> Absolutely. we can move on <laughs> Absolutely. Now we know so we can under really understand this episode of The Wire. Um, this uh, week's final Balmer B story um, just gets into, you know, what happened in this episode. And um, it is to uh, a, the tune of something that I think is a, a beautiful song and uh, one of my my favorites. And uh, I hope we all enjoy it. <laughs> So denied, Frank has died. (laughs) Freeman looks at headless guys. Nikki sees the Greeks leaving. I got a thumbs up. They're gonna be gone for good again. Nikki's willing to inform. Tell everything. Here's a toast to Daniels, who's late to the hotel. Here's to the wire and white boy crimes. Here's to the docks and Polish guys saying goodbye to polarizing season two. Is, uh, I admit. So before you press play, part of me was hoping hoping for open road song, but uh, I, I feel I, like I, this no, is a, this was better. This is a this really solid like season finale uh, the, j- song. I that's yeah, exactly I that's what I thought. I was like, it, it's a season finale, so it's got to be uh, more uh, emotional and epic. And uh, also, yeah. I love that song. This that really worked for me. Yeah. You you really did a good you really did a good job too of 
nailing the scan, like the syllables yes. for each, you know, it's like, it, it really, it really felt, felt good as well as being informative about, you know, the, the episode. Yeah, was that it's... one of those little baby splash symbols in there? Or was that just the, uh, the, the MIDI track that made it sound like that? It wasn't a MIDI track. It was, I don't know who made, I, th I think it was, it's, was, I found it on YouTube when I searched for instrumental. And I think they may have just used an EQ to remove the vocals. Um, but it also could just have been a recreation. I don't know. All I know. I think you did, you did, you did real, real good on this one. Thank you. In Thank my opinion. You. That, yeah. you know, that is the greatest compliment I have ever gotten from the artists themselves telling me that uh, I can die now. Um, but yes, you can listen to the full song uh, at the end of the episode. Yes, there is a full song. Um, okay, so let's talk about this. It's the final episode of season two, the very polarizing season two, the season two in which we go to the docks and everyone said, what the fuck? Why? Why are we here? And after 12 episodes, I think most people who watch the show were like, okay, this uh, this is one of the, the better seasons of the show, in my opinion. And uh, what did we think? What did we think of this last episode? Vince? Uh, I, I'm going to echo what you said. Um, I think, like, you know, whatever you thought of season two initially, like this yeah. episode really br brought it full circle. And I would argue was maybe even like the best wire episode up until this point it's it brought everything to a close it gave every character a full arc just about um mm -hmm. even while even while teasing storylines for, for season, season three, three. between yeah. stringer and avon and and daniels mm -hmm. and and it hints at carver and herc the the greatest comedy duo on prestige tv <laughs> breaking up um yeah. Yeah, and then it gives it gives Valchek like his swan song. I mean, this season sort of starts with Valchek, and then you get like just incredible an incredible acting scene for Al Brown, and just yeah, just mm -hmm. something to remember him by. Everybody gets something to remember them by uh, in this yeah. episode, and it's uh, I think I think it's wonderful. Who is Al Brown? He's, He's the guy who plays Valchek. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you get to see him. Uh, everybody throw the. Everybody see that punch throwed. Yeah, everyone seen that. Tag. Wait, French about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to yeah. be known that I was a chicken shit sucker punch that would. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. What, uh, Max? What did you think of this episode? It was fantastic. I mean, uh, yeah. Like I, you know. I I watched it probably like I said I'm on season four now so I saw it a few weeks back yeah and and cheated right before um, we did this and and read a synopsis to kind of jog my my memory on it a sure, little sure, bit sure 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 um, yeah I mean again just so so like deeply tragic which I guess you could say for you know you could say that for all the seasons but. Um, yeah, I mean, Sabaka getting his throat slit, Nico yeah. coming up. I'm, I remember the shot of Nico because, like, Nico's like looking out at the water, has the feeling that you know all this commotion, you know, means something. Two thumbs down, not good happened. Yeah, and then the people are gathering gathering around where yeah. Sabaka has been brought up, and you see a quick shot of like 
Nico's head just passing by and moving closer, and then the expression on his face when he sees um, when he sees Sabaka, a noble man, you know, like with his head virtually like you know cut so deep it's almost it's almost fallen off. Yeah, and just like um, you know, knowing in that moment he'll never be able to forgive himself. Yeah, uh, you know, for for kind of leading to this point. For kind of leading to this point, you know, yeah, yeah. big time, uh, big time Ned Stark vibes. Uh, you know, he was a little too, he was a little, a little too hung up on his own uh, honor and maybe too, too virtuous mm-hmm. for the world that he is living in. Thought it was, yeah, he thought it was and, uh, the there was more rules to this world than there actually yeah, are. Yeah, 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 and too yeah. naive to, <clears throat> too, because I mean, I I think that like. Uh, you know, if we're comparing him to Ned Stark, you know, that one of the moments that I love uh, with that show, Game of Thrones, um, uh, was all the titties. No, I was um, when uh, when I forget who it was. I think it was Ned Stark has like a, a piece of paper that says like it was like a, a thing that said like. I forget what it said, but I remember Cersei tearing it up being like, that's a piece of paper. We're still, I can kill you if I want to. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, oh shit, I didn't know you could just do that. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. I feel like Frank Sabatka kind of carried himself in the same way in which like he is going to talk, you know, in the episode before. He's king of he the goes- docks. Yeah, he's king of the docks, but he goes to talk to the police, uh, you know, in order to try to cut a deal to, you know, help Ziggy out. Um, and then once he makes that decision, Nikki tells him, oh, the, the Greek can actually help us get, you know, Ziggy off. And so he's like, all right, fine. I'll talk to them too. As if he can do both of these things at the same time. It's just like, yeah, as soon as you went to the police, your first response should have been, okay, so now you guys need to hide me for, uh, until they're gone. Like he he should have immediately been hiding mm-hmm. out, but instead he's like, "I'll mull it over," and it's like, "Oh, bro, you're going to, yeah, going he's to die. he's um, yeah, he's kind of Don Quixote in a way. He's like he he's an anachronism yeah. in a way. In a way, yeah, he's trying like what Vince was saying at the top of the episode, where his whole thing is you know this this uh, feudal attempt at you know reclaiming. Uh, like a past that's just impossible to to realize yeah. now yeah. and and in a, in a naivete you know uh uh that like i don't know good good wins out over evil <laughs> right yeah you know yeah the idea that like he is somehow maybe it's because he's lived this long but like that the people that he's dealing with who you know, obviously are not just like they're big time, you know, importer exporters or whatever the fuck they're drug dealers, but they're also fucking girl dealers. They're, they're smugglers. They're smuggling all yeah. sorts of shit. And the idea that like somehow they're not also, um, super murderous is like, mm-hmm. you know, for him, I think he's, uh, I think he just wasn't expecting it. And, uh, yeah, he's been at this job. Slip. Like say he, I mean, it's almost like he'd been at this job for like 16 years and had 16 survived. 16 years, let's say. So yeah, 16 years <laughs> and, sur- and had survived like numerous pivots and, and numerous changes in management. And he had mm-hmm. always managed to sneak through and he thought that he would just keep 
sneaking through. <laughs> Uh, and then one day you, know, you, you can you can <laughs> you can wasn't. accuse you can accuse Vince of a lot of things, but like making everything about him no, isn't, isn't one of isn't one of them. Yeah, you know it's yeah. um it's his selflessness and mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. uh his yeah. humility that's always drawn me to to Vince. Um, yeah, no, but yeah, no, in a way, you know, it's like Uproxx finally slit his throat, and I feel <laughs> I, I and it's. It sucks. <laughs> but when you see that opening, that cold open in which you see, you know, all the, the dock boys kind of just like looking as they're dragging a body from the water. And uh, um, uh, and then you see Nikki looking and he's like, oh, fuck. Like he knows he knows what's up. What I love is there's a shot of um, you don't see the body. You see it's completely covered except for the boots. And mm. that's when everyone is like, oh, fuck. Because you can see that there's like these like those are them some working class them some stevedore boots Mm -hmm. then them some stevedore boots and and they know that one of their own has gotten got and you're just like uh, do you think the first longshoreman was just named steve and then then they were like oh yeah he's a stevedore it had to be that's the only explanation like what is Uh, a store that sells shoes oh it's a zapateria what does steve do oh he's a stevedore I like Zapateria. Yeah. The first person ever wear shoes was uh, Zapata, Emilio Zapata, <laughs> the, yeah. the, the Mexican revolutionary. Um, so, yeah, uh, I love this episode. Um, it's a great way to cap off the season. Um, it is, I think, as opposed to last season especially, um Last season is just um, a kind of a hilarious anticlimax. That's kind of what they went for. They were like, um, yeah, what this if one we... was a genuine climax. I mean, this one had, an, yeah. a, this one eventually was an anticlimax too, but. Uh... Yeah, in that they didn't catch Vondas in the Greek, but they do so much else. I mean, they, they, they clear the 14 dead girls in the box. Like they actually clear those murders. That's an insane thing. And you get to see. All of it in this episode. You get to see how they cleared all the girls. You get to see um, them kind of like uh, like all of the work that they put in comes together. You see Freeman. He's like a few episodes back, you know, after hearing this phone call with Sergey, where he's like, does he have hands? Does he have a face? He's like, mm-hmm. hmm, maybe we should ask, you know, like, let's ask around if there's some like faceless handless people who have been fished out of you know the water and they found a, a bunch of them and uh and he's able to use that info plus the wire plus everything to finally get sergey to admit to uh the 14 dead girls and i i have that audio i didn't kill him i was there but i didn't kill him Fondus did cut his throat. The shepherd was supposed to watch over the women. Instead, he used them to make money. One of the women she fought, she was killed. And this idiot kills the rest to make no witnesses. He had to die. I love this character, Sergei, so much. Mm -hmm. Um, He's... He's like a genuinely like the shit that he does throughout the season is genuinely scary. Um, yeah, you but, think of him as like the scary henchman bad guy heavy, and then in this in this scene, he sort of reminds you like, 
oh yeah, all he did was uh, beat the shit out of a guy who killed a bunch of girls. Right. And that was basically yeah, he's got, it. He, yeah, yeah. He's got a, a, a bit of an ethical code, it, it feels like. Yeah, and, and I feel like, you know, it's one of the reasons, you know, with the Greek and this particular murder where they, you know, kill that guy uh, early in the season where I think everyone was okay with it. But I, you know, it was like, yeah, well, that was a that was a bad guy. Um, but there's something about this character where I'm just like, um, he, the his youth and his accent reminds me of some of the people that I used to play uh, Counter Strike with when I was in high school. <laughs> like you would just be online, and there was always like one Serbian guy who was like. Oh, bro, I fucking, I, I, I fucking 360 no scoped your ass, you stupid bitch. And I was just, <laughs> I just, I love kind of like his, uh, he, he had to die. I, just, I love him. Yeah. Uh, he's also a snitch. So, you know, that was fucked mm-hmm. up. You should never snitch. Um, but that right there is like the culmination of like all this like season long mystery of, uh you know these girls and it's not even a mystery you know what happened but you're like how the fuck are they going to be able to like make these stats go from red to black and uh mm-hmm. and in a rare moment of like you know catharsis i guess i mean if you care about stats uh you see them actually win something it's like oh they did it they cleared the stats which does nothing to get justice for anyone um, no one actually wins, but the police it's still, it's still confirmation or proof of the brilliance of the show that it makes you the, the, you know, the viewer who objectively, you know, re- realizes has a cynical view of all of this stuff in real life, right. but like makes you care and makes you, makes you, makes you root for, you know, the them cops. being able to for the cops <laughs> well yeah. it makes you question your assumptions about this guy in particular because you know totally. it knows you've made certain assumptions about this guy being like oh he's just like eastern european uh other bad guy but then it's like oh no mm-hmm. he was just sort of doing his job and it was a job that needed to be done mm-hmm. yeah and you know someone had to kill that guy but yeah and you know this is um it, it get what i love is that there's a lot of different parts in this uh final episode um that kind of kind of they segue into season three really nicely um and uh one of that you know one of those things for me is in this scene is kind of like um season three has a lot more of an emphasis on the comstat system that's going to be you know uh talked about a lot in season three in which like the only thing that matters is how good your stats are and what your arrests are. And they've talked about that, of course, in this, you know, these first two seasons, but it really gets, goes into play uh, next season. Um, but seeing and of those... course they do, they do the same, they do the same thing with the, uh, with the school system. Yes. They draw that line, Dude. you know? Yes. Yes. That's like, this. that's what makes the school system, the, the school season so brilliant is, you know, like, the ability to like draw in that 
a segment of policing and like mm. be like, no, it's the same shit. We also yeah. have stats that we need in order to get federal funding. And you're like, oh, fuck, the whole world is is fucked now because totally every- they just go on to perpetuate the same and no right. one, and cycles n- over and over again. No one was pushing back on the idea of uh, using the data uh, in 2003. Like the wire was. I don't know. Yeah. At least 15 years ahead of the game before people started being like, oh yeah, all this like big data shit uh, is just a way to make yourself uh, feel like you're doing something. And is as is, is as uh, self-defeating as it is helpful most of the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, you know, that's nuts. I I hadn't thought about that, but that is, I think a testament to this show being, uh, written by uh an ex-detective and an ex uh baltimore sun journalist in that like the only people who at this point would be you know talking shit about comstat are are the people like ed burns who was just like i'm i've been the guy who the guy who sells comstat is the only guy who's really super into comstat and then right uh, you know like this is beautifully illustrated in we haven't seen Bubbles and Johnny for basically this entire entire this season. season, and they brought yeah. him back, and it comes down to, uh, you know, Johnny passes out while he's supposed to be playing lookout for Bubbles, who's uh, who's doing his wily coyote uh, <laughs> stealing stealing heroin from a from an ambulance. And then, I love it. And then what gets, a caper! They, they, and he he goes, "Oh, opportunity's knocking," and it's like you just saw an ambulance. <laughs> yeah, That's, I like yeah. I like how it also started with uh, someone ODing, and then Johnny oh. being like, "What'd she OD on? Ooh, those must have been some good drugs if she was." If oh, she's I this love that. Up. That's uh, real junkie shit that to me i was like damn that is that's the best fucking like thing i've seen in terms of junk yeah and then yeah so so then yeah yeah. so then um bubbles and johnny get pinched and they get pulled into an interrogation room and uh bubbles is trying to you know use his history as a snitch which like he's only in that room because Kima got shot the day before she was supposed to, uh, you know, help Bubbles out when he was trying to go clean and she didn't show up. And so he's back on the street. Um, And then uh, Santangelo, who we also haven't seen basically this entire season, he shows back up and his his only. Oh, yeah. He's a street cop. He's just like on a beat. Yeah. After picking up Bubbles and Johnny for trying to rob the ambulance, like his only comment on it is, do I still get the stat? Which is yeah, like the perfect right. button to that whole sequence. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I I really like. I commend this show for being so true to junkies, um, <laughs> yeah. and I think in any other show of the time, like it might have been seen as kind of like crass to have uh, junkies or like um, any kind of drug addict played for laughs. Um, because you'd be like, no, 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 no. If we're going to show drug addiction, it has to be like sad and important. Mm-hmm. And they like this show just flips it on them and goes like, no, a lot of like a junkie's life is kind of just like, uh, uh, they're on a constant mission to get high and they will find any opportunity to like do a little a little graft in order to, to yeah. do it. So he sees, you know, he sees someone who just OD'd and being like, I'm gonna take note of what they just took because I know that it's good shit. That look that that made them feel really good, probably. 
yeah, yeah. yeah. They were like, oh shit, hell yeah. <laughs> um, just, yeah. yeah. And then, and then sorry, yeah, seeing the fucking seeing the ambulance and being like, all right, well, you know, when when God closes a door, he opens an ambulance and uh, he uh, immediately goes in and just is like, yeah, this we won't get in trouble. We're surrounded by cops and fucking EMTs right now. But, uh, you know, it's like uh, it's like the hobbits going like, you know, they'll never suspect us if we walk straight into Mordor. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> that's what he does. Hey, Brent. Hey, what's up, man? How are you guys? Are you guys having fun doing the podcast? We oh, are. So much. That's that's great. Yeah, this is great. Good. I, I heard you guys talking about you, you got to hit numbers to get funding or something. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that applies to the podcast as well. We oh, for real? Do are a you certain te- number of ads. Yeah. Are you telling me it is time for an ad break? It's time for an ad break. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you just said, you said nad break. Uh, yeah, well, it's time to break our nads with a little bit of money. Uh, I don't know what I just said. So, yes, listen, Brent Flyberg, listen to these ads and uh, stick around. We will be right back. Guys, I'm going to go take a piss real quick. Hey, Vince. Hey, Matt. As you know, Vince, I love old internet memes. Remember the early internet's obsession with Chuck Norris jokes? I do remember that. Here's one. When Chuck Norris went to college, he told his father, now you're the man of the house. <laughs> why Why do you bring this up? Well, I was thinking about those old memes, and I started thinking, I wonder what Chuck Norris is doing right now. What has he been up to? You know, I actually know the answer to that, Matt. Yeah, I recently saw a health video he made, and I was surprised. He's in his 80s. And he still seems to have energy and health. You know, I saw the very same video, Vince, and in it he says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. That's almost too powerful to contemplate, but yes. uh, it's true. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. Uh, his wife made the same change, and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and has energy all day. Uh, I am way younger than them, and I have energy for about two hours a day. Uh, and the problem is, is, you know, that many of us do not include fruits and vegetables and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. I love special videos, and you can watch it too by going to mymorningkick.com slash podyourself, and it may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's M-Y-M-O-R-N-I-N-G-K-I-C-K.com slash podyourself, mymorningkick.com slash podyourself. Go there now and watch this very special Chuck Norris video. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Will you um, thank Matt when he comes back for me? (laughs) Uh, I I, I appreciate you guys asking me to do this. It's always fun. Oh, yeah. No, we love having you. All right. I'll see you guys online. Okay. A few moments later. And we're back. Where's Max? He's he's got he's gone. But uh, you know, motherfucker, <laughs> motherfucker. He just I just got a call from his lawyer. <laughs> we are being sued for doing the song. And you know what? All that says to me is that uh, I did a good enough job. Yeah, that I'm worthy of suing. Worth it. Um, but yes. Max Collins, of course. Uh, oh, thank you, Max. And we loved having thank, you. Thank you, Max, we'll take for you coming for as on. long as we can get you. Absolutely. And also, we've got a lot more wire to talk about. Right. Yeah, and I just uh, wanted to, sorry, before we yeah. split on the commercial break, you know, it's almost not worth, like, talking about anymore, but, you know, there's the whole thing about, like, oh, is it copaganda? Like, the thing uh-huh. about the wire. And, um... I think it's dumb for a lot of reasons, but like just the, the, the structure of having to solve a case, uh, makes for like a perfect dramatic structure. Um, Mm -hmm. and to do that, you know, you kind of have to, uh, do it from the perspective of cops, which naturally is going to lend itself to, you know, telling a story from the perspective of, of the cops. But like the, if you look at the arc of this entire season, it starts Mm -hmm. with, a mystery like the same format as these things generally are we start with 14 dead girls in a tin can um yeah. and you know and using that structure it tells so many stories it tells the story about like the death of the union it tells the story about the cops being uh, uh being under the under the gun of trying to juke the stats constantly and that being there like like when you think about the things that it's trying to achieve narratively it's not to like you know make you side with police or make you think that cops are good or bad or whatever it's just it's using that dramatic structure to tell a really good story and like i think this episode is a perfect example of you know the what it's what it's doing um and making it like a hooky like compelling TV show and giving you like a variety of uh, stories within that structure that already Mm. existed. Yeah. um, I mean, it sounds a lot like you're pro cop. (laughs) Um, And um, that's a big yikes from me. Everyone out there. I just want that. I definitely don't think like the cops are like a drastically different animal than any other, uh, you know, group of, working people necessarily uh-huh. like their their goal is to do less work and uh move up the ranks just like you know most people in most organizations 
Um, I, I mean, you know, but I, I just got to say, and I think Jar Jar will agree with me that your opinion. <laughs> Um, He's embarrassing. It's very embarrassing. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I, of course I agree. I mean, you know, the the entire structure of uh, most, at least, I don't know, Western, or I don't know what you call it, American narrative is the uh, cops and robbers, heroes and villains, good guys, bad guys. And, and just yes, trying to solve cowboys a and Indians. <laughs> yeah. And yes, it is bad. Like you're if trying you look to at solve it, a mystery. That's a, like, a, you know, a good story yeah. starts with a question that you try to answer, basically. And it, it's very rare that you get a show that has the fucking, you know, uh, standard ass, you know, cops, robbers, you know, thing um, where they're like, no, but what if it's actually about the cops? You know, yeah. like actually. Um, and, and it has a critique of it. And, and why? You know, yeah. Most... Why is this thing not working? Uh, right, who's exactly. in charge? And what are they telling the people under them? And you know. Yeah, and uh, that to me is like you know I I think the most sure sign that the wire is not an attempt at propaganda specifically um, is the fact that. I mean, at least I, I don't know if this is a sign, but uh, that the fucking mayor of Baltimore who allowed them to do the shoot in Baltimore for the first season tried to kick them out at the second season. <laughs> yeah. And he was just like, no, fuck you. You're making us look bad. You're making the city look inept. You're making our crime look bad and all that stuff. And it was just like, you know, to me, that's a sign that they're OK. They're telling a story that I think most people um, that they are critiquing would not like to be told. Right. And I think we do this thing where like, we're so used to baby food art and, uh, this was true, <laughs> you know, it's true now, true, even more true now than it probably was 20 years ago. But we're, we're used to this idea of like, uh, story's supposed to tell me when things are good and when things are bad. And it's like, yeah. no, he's telling you how things work. He's not really taking a position on like, whether you know what's good and what's bad he's telling you right how the system got to be the way it is and what the what the motivational level levers are within that right. structure exactly and why those uh levers are pulled and why you know the fucking entire machine is broken you know yeah. and you can draw your own conclusions as to whether or not the machine is broken but i think any you know it doesn't take a genius to look at that and go like you know, oh, it seems like um, none of the incentives are there for actually solving or, right. you know, stopping crime. Yeah. It seems like, in fact, there's the exact opposite incentive, the incentive to not so much solve crime, but as to, like, continue making arrests forever. And yeah. And then I think we go, we go you've jailed all your population and we go another uh, another layer deep when we get to season five, which everybody on the show seems to talk shit on. But I, I love mm -hmm. because it's telling, because you just got fired. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I'm but sorry. It's, it's, laid off. But it's telling you the 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 uh, the motivating factors of the media, which is just like the cops in the sense of like you want to think that the motivation is to tell good public good. Yeah. Public good. You want to tell stories that are true and stories that matter but the people that are going to come up and and like be promoted in that system are the ones that tell easy stories that you want to hear like the guy uh, what's his name the 
the plagiarist that's like one of the main characters scott yeah something. scott in season five like he's like um i wanted to tell about the dickensian aspect and it's like well, right yeah, of course <laughs> yeah. you wanted to do a little poverty tourism and that's exactly gonna be, that's gonna be the thing that wins you awards not the thing that actually you know explains how things are working no yeah especially if they're if they're filled with lies it's just it's just shoveling the kind of slop that their piggies and editors what fits um, in the piggy snouts yeah it fits in their snouts and it's funny too because it's like and we'll get to this with season five obviously but um it's also a critique on on the the show itself the wire is it's a critique on kind of like yeah uh, you want to see guns you want to see uh you want to see badass drug dealers right this is what cool you want cops shooting this is what you want you know the, the hbo is threatening to fire you know to to cancel us at the end of every fucking season every season and it's like okay fine we'll give you what you want a fucking serial killer and a fucking you know like uh you know we'll make shit really really desperate for everyone you know i i it's uh and also you know, like, yeah, you want to see uh, sad, impoverished black people. You want to see um, crazy violence and uh, you want, you know, us. Uh, you want us to do some exploitation. We'll do it. Yeah. And um, uh, get, yeah. getting back to this episode. So, you know, we're talking about the scene with uh, Bubs and mm -hmm. and uh, Johnny. Uh, yeah. And you're talking about how how, how it refuses to sort of. Uh, romanticize and make these junkies into like tragic, uh, you know, tragic junkies like that you're used to seeing. And it does right. the same thing with cops. Uh, like when they're pulling the body out, like just, just, just like completely wordlessly, like that shot of Landsman where he's just like, he's, he's like singing a little ditty <laughs> in his head because yeah, he's, he looks half bored. He's just yeah. like, bum, 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 yeah, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> he's got a song in his head. He's singing another like side note of that scene. It's, uh, like when, when you see Jack Dass Daniels walk up to like Landsman who just looks like he has has like the worst blood pressure in the world and and you think about like okay one of these actors is dead now and it's and it's the jacked guy how the fuck did that happen dude insane that is a very good point i was thinking about that too about like all the you know deaths of various actors on the wire and how you know um disproportionate uh you know disproportionately the the younger deaths were um black actors on it um and whenever i think about who's still alive that's always the the thing i go back to is just like man the guy who plays fucking jay landsman he's yeah. like still still acting still working still, still acting still, still working looks the same still, looks the same brilliant actor i think he did lose some weight yeah um but uh, exception that proves that rule uh, mm -hmm. This episode was actually directed by Robert Colesbury, who played yes. played Ray Cole. Uh, he's the guy mm -hmm. who played Ray Cole. Um, this was his first episode that he directed uh, and his last one because Ugh. he actually died before the next season. Um, uh, they talk about him in that commentary uh, in the last episode. He was the guy who cast uh, Nikki's girlfriend with the amazing knockers. Without even seeing a tape of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, so R.I.P. to a real one, Bobby Bobby yeah, Coles. Yeah. Is the people going to die? Okay, so um, <laughs> I will change that back. No, that's great. <laughs> um, okay, so um, 
another storyline that we got to talk about is I think um, Stringer. Mm-hmm. Stringer Bell uh, is talking to Brother Muzone after he's just been, you know, shot by Omar but left alive. And after, and, like, I feel like I've been saying it for an entire season and a half that Stringer is the guy who is really good at looking competent but is actually kind of a dumbass. And I think yeah. this is where it really comes to a head. Like, oh man, he had this this fucking galaxy brain scheme uh, to yeah. get Brother Muzone to kill omar and it immediately blew up to get face. omar to kill brother Sorry, right. own. Yeah. yeah just wanted to make sure they were treating you right making the most of it i'm catching up on my reading at least i just want to let you know that we got your back you know whoever did this we'll find them i appreciate the offer but that won't be necessary well, all i'm saying is i understand perfectly well what you're saying what i am saying to you is i will take care of them myself them? Who came at you? Thank you for your concern. And not only, yeah, it, it, it backfires and it it hasn't yet begun to backfire. And you just, like, you see in his eyes in this moment um, when he's talking to Avon, um, where, and for me, this was also like a learning experience, but uh, where he's asking... Um, he's telling Avon about like, you know, Brother Mazone is out and um, and Avon just yells at him because he asked him who who he thinks shot him. And um, and I, I have that that clip. Muzon booked out. We worse off than when he came. I know, but we got to hit right back, make a statement. But Muzon not saying who did that. Shit. You asked him who it was? Yeah, I asked him. Why? Why what? How you gonna ask a soldier like Mazon a question like that? Either he gonna say or he gonna go and work it out. Either way, you ain't got to be asking him shit. Man, every market-based business runs in cycles and we're going through a down cycle right now. String, this ain't about your motherfucking business class either. It ain't that part of it. It's that other thing. The street is the street, always. I fucking... I love that finally, and this is again why this is fucking season finale is so fucking perfect. Finally, this season, someone and it's Avon of all people goes like, "Stop with the fucking like you know <laughs> yeah. pseudo intellectual business class jargon bullshit." Like this is not fucking. This isn't a community class. You know, yeah, apply fucking, common sense, not like the series of terms that you had to memorize this in this uh, semester. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting how it, he's taken so aback uh, that you know somehow asking like who did it was somehow wrong, and you see in his eyes in that moment like he thought he fucked up earlier when he asked Muzon, you know, when he was just like, hey, do you think um like who do you think did it? I mean, you know, <laughs> I was like. Like if you had to guess, like what did you say? And and Muzon is just like, mm, uh, you know, just does this like I'm listening to Garrison Keeler. Um <laughs> uh and you see that Stringer is like, Oh fuck, I think I fucked up. And then Avon just confirms it by just being like, Why would you ask him a question like that? Which for me I still don't like fully understand why that would be a bad thing. I just you know, I don't know, I'm just trying to help. That's what I would have said. In that moment. Because it makes uh, you look weak and you're like you're fishing for something like you should know 
number you one, should, and yeah, you, you're not going to get you, a straight answer regardless. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think. Yeah. I guess. But like for Stringer, I think it, it it's like even worse because he's, you know, now he's like, oh no, now <laughs> if I wasn't supposed to ask that question, uh. And I know it was me. Yeah, who did he's just this? fishing for a. Are you mad at me? Which is the same thing that he's doing with Avon in this scene. Which like, yeah, that's right. We still yeah. friends, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We still friends. I don't know who eating your sandwich, but I would never eat my best friend's sandwich. Uh, that was a very personal experience I had as a child. Um, <laughs> you ate someone's sandwich? Yeah, I lied about it. Until this day, I still lie about it. Um. But yeah, he realizes he fucked up, and uh, that also sets us up for um, some uh, interesting times in season three, um, and uh, you know, a little bit more Omar, and uh, maybe possibly a little bit more Muzon. Um, one thing that I really love and want to get into with this episode was um, how much the FBI fucking sucks. Uh, yeah, this is like. For me, one of the most insane parts of this episode is like, is it, we and start like the parts that one of the parts that's hardest to even understand what's happening, like f- from one watch. I mean, this is my third watch of The Wire, yeah. and I finally feel like I sort of understand what totally. happened uh, with um, with that yeah. guy, with with the FBI's software machine that uh, yes he was using to talk to some other agent. Yeah, um, it is crazy to me that I did not understand until this watch. And I think I've seen this I've seen this more than three times. Uh and every time I had thought, Oh, Kutris, uh, you know, he Kutris this is whole dirty. Time, he's dirty. He's like, you know, he's using like the fact that he's Greek and they're Greek and they have like a Greek family connection. That's what I thought. No, he's a protected informant. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a protected informant. That was departed. Yeah, um, you are protected in four. Uh, yeah, I can't. Do he's the he's big timing. Uh, what's the what's Jimmy's friends FBI agent's Fitz. name? Fitz. Fitz. Yeah, he's like he's big timing Fitz. He's like, yeah, my shit is more important than your shit. Like we care about uh, terrorism, and this guy's my informant. And so, uh, yeah, if we have to let him skate on all of the bad stuff that he's doing mm-hmm. in Baltimore. We're going to do it. Yes, this is Special Agent Terrence with you with the Baltimore Field Office. May I speak with Agent Kutris, please? No. Agent Kutris? He's no longer with the San Diego Field Office. Well, where's he at? Counterterrorism. Counterterrorism. For how long? I have to check, but I'm sure he's been gone from here more than a year. So, for those of you who maybe don't understand it. I mean, I didn't understand the first few yeah. times, but like, uh, they you pack know, part- a lot of meaning, like, like a lot of meaning into just the fact that the guy is not in San Diego anymore. Right. Exactly. The, the, so I remember at one point even thinking like, Oh, he's, um, he's like not really an FBI agent and he's just been talking to some guy. Like there's yeah, like that's a bunch of stuff. First. Yeah. That I, I didn't understand. Um, so yeah, he is working. He's not in the San Diego field office. He's not just some field agent. Um, he is working in counterterrorism in DC. Two years after nine eleven, that means he is working on shit that uh, you know he's going to have a bunch of informants who are also criminals 
who uh, are in exchange for like protection from, you know, you let me do my thing and I'll help you and make sure none of these Islamists come. <laughs> uh, he is, you know, he's protecting him. He's getting him. He's getting information, you know, and, and and so, you know, when he finds out like, hey, people are like asking questions about you, you might want to like tone it down like he's not um he's not snitching because he's a part of the racket he's he's doing that because he needs the greeks information on whether or not al-qaeda is thinking about shipping you know 14 terrorists in a in a shipping container and i think yeah i don't know why i didn't like understand that the first time around i think it's because the wire doesn't I barely anything. understood it this time around. I mean, like he he just like the to knowing that the guy's not in San Diego anymore is a lot. Uh, well, a lot to figure it, out there, but yeah, a lot to no, infer it, at least. Well, but then she says you should try DC. He's with counterterrorism, and like that alone is supposed to give you the context that you need. And the only way I really have this context is through like just years and years of of other cop media and like the departed for example uh being uh you know the, the whole time frank costello is a fbi protected informant which is why he's able to not get in trouble with the local fucking police because the fbi is basically looking out for him then i don't know why in that movie they're doing that but they are and uh yeah that is um and and you see the same thing with the fucking the way the CIA protected, you know, uh, different uh, drug traffickers. <laughs> Jeffrey uh, Epstein. <laughs> yeah, or Jeffrey Epstein, sure. You know, yeah. like... And I the, like the, that they... I love that the the FBI is represented here by, like, an annoying lady with a weird speech impediment. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, clearly she's just, like... She's, like, the most annoying hall monitor who clearly just wanted to uh, screw the union and yes oh and this is why i was like this this is such a great episode for saying fuck the fbi because uh, we open with frank sabatka who is the fucking head of this union uh the very reason that the fbi are even in on this shit um is dead he's gone he's the guy he's the guy you're gonna arrest he's the yeah. guy you're gonna convict and it all started and with a pissing contest over a stained glass window yes which is wonderful um and you see the FBI in this room while everyone is kind of like, you know, uh, they're briefing Burrell on like all, uh, you know, hey, here's what we got. Here's what we're working on. Here's who's arrested. And the FBI makes it a point to talk about the union again. And the union people. Where Sabatka did, the case right now is limited to a subordinate or two. But the important thing for us is the union. Either they jettison their current leadership or we have enough to get that local decertified. Her fucking Barbara Walters ass accent is the worst. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, her accent and just her overall demeanor after saying like, listen, we're not going to be able to do much in the way of like criminal arrests here. But um, there is a group of workers who have the right to collectively bargain that we're trying to fuck with. Yeah. And um, I think we're going to we're going to stay on them. The all she cares about is decertifying this fucking Yeah, her union. whole deal is like, we don't care what, like, uh, what ticky-tack bullshit you guys are doing. We're here to, we're here to shut down a union and that's We don't even care do. about our, uh, the, the arrest. They're like, oh, we're going to like, I don't know, we're going to convict horse of something and give them like, a, <laughs> you know, a 10 years. Yeah. But that's not Send the point. Send them out to pasture. Yeah, we're going to put this horse out to pasture. 
but that's not the point. The point is, is we're going to decertify this fucking uh, local. And it's just like, that is insane to me. That is completely fucking insane. Um, and uh, she she shows up again um, later in the episode, goes into the local like office and, um, of course, you know, threatens them again. Mr. Pakusa, in light of your pending indictment, I would think you'd stay as far away from this hall as possible. Ain't y'all got some place to go? Just came to make it clear that if there's not some cleaning up in here, this local will be decertified. Instead of your union running out of this office, it'll be a federal magistrate down the courthouse deciding things. Take the opportunity to elect new officers, or the U.S. attorney will padlock the door, and you'll be outside looking in. One man, one vote. And that's when Ott rips off his own campaign poster and they're like guys we're gonna vote for the dead guy yeah um which is like i think uh another like beautiful bow on the season in terms of like you know that is completely shooting themselves in the foot here he's already dead electing new officers yeah i mean you have to at the very least elect one new officer because the fucking secretary treasurer frank sabatka uh, had his throat cut open, but they are so spiteful, which is the running theme of the season that how, how motivating spite can be that they will literally shoot themselves in the foot, uh, in, in order to, uh, say fuck you to the FBI, which I love more power to them. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. Uh, you know, and of course it's, it's sad because you see at the end of the episode when they're doing their, uh, end of season montage, one of the things you see is that the local does get decertified and all. Yeah, the, it's kind of hard. A little. Hard. I mean, like they don't walk your, they don't hold your hand through that scene to to Th- tell they you. They never like, do to tell you like why the union is doing that. But I mean, if I had to insert a reason, I you know my I would say that like they they don't think that they are a union if if they have to just do whatever like a, the the FBI tells them to do like it's right. not like it's completely counter to the whole point of the union which is to you know that totally be, makes be sense. a power structure of their own and be able to uh make and also they already lost the grain pier and so it's like right. they, they they're lost, already fucked yeah they're already fucked and and but you know it's interesting because if you think about just kind of like the main thrust of the show the wire which is essentially a show about hating your boss the fucking a union, what is a union other than a um, collective of people whose whole persona is fuck the boss? Right. It's, you yeah. know? It's supposed to protect like, you from the boss and and give you, like, some sort of independence. Um, yes. And so, they're, you know, for them, it's like, uh, it's it's interesting in the show to see the what happens to unions, which are the, the ultimate fuck the boss machine yeah. that, uh, of course, is... Uh, being eaten away over series. Yeah, of there's so many different parts of this episode that I could talk about for a long time. I don't. Like, but do you have the Valchek's speech? Because God, it's yes. just like one of my favorite moments in The Wire. Like it's his. I mean, this whole show is just an ode to the venality of people in power. And like yeah. this is this is Valchek's swan song where he really lays his cards on the table, as if we didn't know already. But ah, oh, God, just beautiful. Yeah. It's so good. I'm going to charge you snapper bears. You're going to do your son-in-law. You don't think I didn't tell her not to marry that brain-dead son of a bitch? I'll tell you the truth, Major. 
Everyone who saw the punch wrote on it. And they've all got prayers throwing the punch, no question. But they've also got you addressing a subordinate officer as a, what was it? A shitbird? Fuck you. This is the Baltimore Police Department, not the Roland Park Ladies Tea. I'm just saying. Great line. Roland Presbaluski rides the southeastern desk on midnight shift for two months, during which time he writes a personal letter of apology to everyone seen that punch throat, <laughs> in which he makes it absolutely clear that it was a penny cheap sucker punch that would have got his ass kicked Another in by a real line. police, except for the fact that I have my daughter's feelings to consider. And then he can come up here and say the same to my face. And after that, he wants to piss his career away in your unit. I could give a hairy ass fuck. I mean, every like there's just everything. It's full of gems, you know, penny yes. cheap. It's a penny cheap sucker punch. And I could give a hairy ass fuck. I mean, oh, <laughs> so beautiful. And it, you know, and it shows that it really comes down to uh, Valchek's personal vanity. And the other thing that it does is like, this is, like Daniels is still a boy scout but this is mm-hmm. this is a character arc for him because he has learned it's one of the few yeah. scenes where he's playing someone else like he's learned enough about the game to do a little bit like he has like the, against all odds he actually cleared those 14 murders and got himself the squad that he wanted yeah. and he is he's playing Valchek to keep uh Presbaluski around yeah, uh, which is you know he does it brilliantly too, yeah. and you know he's basically saying you know he's sleeping on the couch, but uh, he's, he got something out of it. Exactly, exactly, and uh, him sleeping on the couch is uh, was a funny little touch that they're like, oh, and by the way, if you want to know how his marriage is going, is <laughs> yeah, badly, uh, Marla will not fuck him. <laughs> yeah, everybody's because, marriage uh, is going badly; <laughs> it's falling apart. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I also love that. Um, Valchek was just was so willing to charge his own son-in-law and it, it felt like a running theme through this episode was um people trying to do their sons and do it not in like a you know <laughs> porn way yeah. I, uh but like I think uh, Spiros was actually trying to do his son yes yes like so you got Spiros is trying to do uh his adopted you know spiritual son uh Nikki yeah I think he just wanted that, to fuck him that's my fan theory yeah, yeah, but also there's a hit out on uh, a hit out for Nikki, um, and uh, of course Nikki's dad also does him by going up to him and being like, "Time to turn yourself in." Um, you know, he's doing his own son, and then Kima. Uh, I feel like Kima is also like getting a head start on doing her son in that like she there's just one scene with her and Cheryl going like stroller shopping. Uh, mm-hmm. At a brick and mortar store, which I was like, "Oh man, like, talk about me being a pandemic dad." But like, fucking, I was just like, "No, oh, you should go on Amazon. What are you gonna try him out, fucking weirdo?" Yeah, um, that's one of the benefits of uh, not becoming a dad until you're forty is uh, you get lots of other dads hand me down uh, right strollers. that too, right? But also, you know, if you are gonna buy baby stuff, it's going to be online. What, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> I'm already tired. Um, Sign but of the you, times. yeah. Uh, but you see, Kima is, uh, you know, she's she's doing her unborn son in that she is very much not interested in this life of being uh, essentially a dad. Um, and it's, uh, uh, there's like this hierarchy of of 
law enforcement in this episode, which is like Beatty is at the bottom. And one of the things about being at the bottom is that she is actually, she actually cares about this case and she's right. going to have a hard time letting it go. Uh, Daniel's, cares about it a little more in that, you know, he was sort of using it more for career advancement than necessarily mm-hmm. to try and catch someone who killed uh, 14 girls in a can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get up to like Landsman, clearly he's thinking about what he's going to have for lunch later. Um, yeah. He's and, thinking about sticking his hand in just Crisco and yeah. seeing if he could lick it all off in one go. And then, and, but even Landsman cares a little bit about the clearances and then you get up to the FBI and they're like, yeah, we don't even, we don't give a shit about, any of this we care about terrorism and fucking over the union and that's it yeah 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 Uh, we're here uh to stop um anyone named muhammad from uh being free (laughs) and from workers uh getting together and talking about and it makes sense so like one of the things that the that the show never explicitly says we get this the great scene where we find out uh, Spiros's name is not actually his name and yes. the Greek is not actually the Greek which is probably yes. like the biggest outstanding question of the episode is like what nationality is this guy and right. like the clues that we've gotten are that uh, he seems he to hate the, he seems to hate the Turks, the Turks genuinely mm-hmm. uh, he has a rose- not, not like casually the way we hate the Turks on this show yeah he has <laughs> right well look i'm a, i'm armenian i can i can I yeah can, you're allowed to. i'm allowed to hate the turks uh mm-hmm. so he's he's fingering he has a rosary the cops find his rosary beads so presumably he right. is of christian extraction which again would make sense for him being a source uh for the anti-terrorism it's like who who is right. over, who is over in those countries that's not muslim uh we're gonna right, choose right, this right. guy uh but also they're drinking ouzo uh, on the fan wiki, I think they, they speculate that he is uh, either like Armenian or yeah. Greek Cypriot, which are, you know, in terms of like nationalities that are closest to Greeks without being Greeks, What's, you got... Well, one of them has Greek in it. What's a Greek Cypriot? That's someone from Cyprus. So Cyprus oh, is that Cyprus, island. the island. Yeah, I know it's the got island. like half, half controlled by Greece. Their half flag by is Turkey. their own borders, which I love. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I yeah, I, I would probably go with the uh, the fan wikis. That's that's a de- decent explanation for it. I I was thinking Albanian, which is a possibility, which is like sort of it's in the Balkans. Uh, mm-hmm. It's half half Muslim or over half Muslim and half uh, you know. There's a mix of Christians and 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 Muslims over there. So it's I think like you have to go. Who would be all those things and speak like? Turkish, German, like all these fucking yeah. languages. Um, and so, so you're uh, thinking of a, a minority race like the Armenians or, you know, a Christian, someone who's Christian from the Balkan area, which. And someone who loves, uh, you know, uh, Greek food. Who's not right. Greek? Yeah, I and, mean, who doesn't love Mediterranean food? But I don't think it would be like a Serbian. But see, you know? the thing is, like, I don't think an Armenian would be drinking ouzo. That doesn't hold true. Like, mm. I feel like if it was an Armenian, what's ouzo? Be... I don't know ouzo. It's a Greek liqueur liquor. Okay. Uh, I think it's made from grapes. Uh, Maybe he's North North Macedonian. Could be. I think he would be uh, drinking brandy if he was Armenian. Uh, mm. Albanian would make sense because 
that's sort of a failed former Eastern Bloc, former communist state yeah. that is... I love doing race, uh, or I guess it's nationality science. Yeah, so I mean, great. that's a place where you would be able to smuggle a lot of shit out of. Sure, sure. A lot of Albanian mobster types. Yeah. So I think, I mean, he's, but... I think he could be Christian Albanian, but uh, yeah, we'll let the... Yeah. We'll let the, the, the piggies weigh in on that one. They, exactly. They we'll let the nerds decide. Um, but yeah, no, we don't know what he is, but we know he's not Greek and his name is not his name. Um, which I, I just in just saying that out loud, I realized that uh, my name is not my name is literally the opposite of Marlowe's. My name is my name. Yep. Yep. I have that. Hold on. I, I, I have. Ah, word. Oh, no. Fuck. Still Jar Jar. Because um, in the streets, uh, your your motivating factor is your name and your respect, which is the Avon thing. In right. contrast to the Greeks, always business. Yeah, business always business. Business uh, always business. They'll use whatever name that they can in order to do business, and of course, they end up being the more ruthless ones because the show is about the ruthlessness of uh, capitalism. Yeah. I was going to say the ruthlessness of uh, ethnic whites. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. As an well, ethnic white with. myself, Sorry. I love I, I love this show being all about the ethnic whites and their plight. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's something that uh, I went from, you know, being like, ugh, boring, which, fair enough, uh, to being like, this is a fantastic little, like, I don't know, journey into a segment of American immigrant communities that I I'm not surrounded with. I have not grown up with. Uh, I've never really thought about as anything other than just, you know, as white guys and uh, kind of learning that, uh, I don't know, every fucking every city, every neighborhood, uh, they all got their different stories. Yeah. And and uh, through. And through the sort of uh, 50s and 60s boom times, like the the ethnic whites sort of, uh, you know, they built up their own little power structures in these cities, like the dock workers and Mm -hmm. the, you know, the Irish cops go back a little further. But, you know, you got your you got your Polish union guys, you got your Italian union guys. Like there was like the there was sort of that blue collar power base that existed in the 50s and 60s that was basically just based on the fact that labor had a certain amount of power in those days. And then it sort of went away. And uh, like a lot of that, a lot of those groups sort of, you know, they thought that those little power structures were, that was their entry into uh greater whiteness. And like that was, it was going to be all salad days from there. And then it sort of right. went away for them. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it, it is in one sense it was in that, like we, as Americans, we kind of white is white, you know, it's like white is whatever looks white, whatever sounds white. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have, at least that going for you but like in terms of like uh what kind of what your material situation is in terms of like you know your money and your job and your security and all that stuff like uh there's a different there's a different fucking story it's it's still that old eastern establishment uh with the fbi and and j edgar hoover they still have the real power when push comes to shove basically Yeah, yeah 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 which is why you know 
that's why any kind of essentialism i'm i'm always um bored and annoyed by any whether if it's you know you're doing a class essentialist uh, essentialist analysis or you're doing a race essentialist analysis i'm always just like um yeah, it's, a, it's always a bit of both, guys. Yeah. Always a bit of both. Yeah. You know, you can be in a fucking a white supremacist state in which fucking you are white and considered white and also be uh, subject to the rules of the greater whites and uh, and uh, the whims of people with uh, more money who want to uh, destroy uh, what you you and your family has been doing forever. You know, deindustrialization affected all sorts of people across the spectrum. Uh, so, yeah. Anyways, um, should we do? Should we do? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, another. I mean, another little storyline is uh, Herc and Carve. They're like we yes. get signs that their partnership is about to break up, which is um, both good for Carver and sad for us that we don't get this sort of Mutt and Jeff comedy team. I know, uh, and I feel bad because, like, uh, like I said, I did a little bit of uh, snooping on the uh, the subreddit, and someone pointed out something that I think was very true: um, uh, is that we have, I think, on average, skipped a good amount of Herc and Carve material. At least this season, like there was like I, it was it was always in the docket. We always yeah. like Herc it's and Carve. It's, is, all, it's we, all frosting to some degree. Like it's all yeah. like, just good fun stuff it's kind of it's like the opposite of the sopranos in a way in which like the sopranos was a a show in which we really like the bits always stood out so much that like we would focus on the bits kind of like to i don't know uh to the detriment of like talking about the main fucking plots of of the characters and the story arcs and whatnot and in this show i think like the narrative and like the story it's telling ends up taking over the conversation a lot of times. So we yeah. do kind of miss the, uh, yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to explain some of the more complex aspects of the show, uh, the nuanced aspects. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't think Herc yeah. and Carve is that it's very simple and that's why it's great. But in this one, like they do add a little complexity where it's, do. it's, it's, um, it's a trying to find a balance um, between how to figure out how to move up in this organization and how to do what you actually wanted to do uh, sure, in the first yeah. place. And Carve, you know, we see that like he, he realizes that he actually likes doing real police work and Herc doesn't really care. Right. And uh, what I love is that they are sitting just watching Nikki's parents' house uh, and uh, waiting for him to come home. And no one has told them (laughs) that Nikki has already turned himself in. So they're just waiting. And like Carver. Sorry, guys, we forgot. Yeah. So they just forgot to tell them like, oh, no, come back. He's he's here. Um, And Carver is, I mean, hats off to him. He's really trying to make up for last season when he snitched and fucked up you know the the whole wire by snitching to burrell about a bunch of stuff he was the leak and so he is like no we got to do this daniels has been cool fucking we're we're part of something bigger we're making cases blah 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 and like (laughs) they're just sitting and watching nothing nothing's ever going to happen and herc is like losing his mind and i think the scene in which they snap is my favorite because it opens with herc threatening to commit suicide uh (laughs) and i have that clip either he comes home in the next five minutes or i eat my gun 
Either your son surrenders within the hour or all the police in this district are going to come crashing through this fucking door twice a day for as long as it takes you fucking people to get the message. You hear me, pal? We will take this door once in the morning and once again at night and we will toss your house until there isn't a piece of furniture with more than three legs left on it. You hear me? Officer, my son turned himself into the police last night at Southeast. A detective was there at the time. What the fuck? Come on. Like, Angry Carver is the funniest Carver. Yeah, and like in a different show, Carver would be the baby face and mm-hmm. Herc would be the uh the dumbass villain. the dumbass villain. But like in this scene you realize that like Herc's kinda right. Like the like yeah. da- like trusting that Daniels uh cares about your advancement it were in their situation is stupid. Like it's the, like yeah. it's, it was the wrong move for them. Yeah, and uh I think and What's good police work clearly is boring as shit. <laughs> right. That's the thing is at the end of the day, being a good police um, is not like the job is not what that's not what these guys signed up for. These aren't the guys, you know, and yeah. that's true of most policemen. You know, I, I they're not there because they want to sit at a desk they talk shit about people who sit at desks their whole thing is like i want to go beat up bad guys i want to go beat up bad guys which is probably the reason most people like become police because that's what that's the imagery that we've sort of uh inherited is that's what that's, that's the what, narrative that's we like. What, yeah. That's all our shows. That's yeah. all our stories. It's like what it's what we fucking enjoy. And uh so yeah, you've got you know, a And this show gives of... it to us too. Like Presbaluski punches Valchek in the face. Like that's what we wanted to see. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, like you've got Herc who is he he just represents the id of probably every cop you've ever had an interaction with. Um, is that the right use of id? Yeah, and more or less, I think so. I mean, I'm not a Freudian. I just, you know, I hear the word id a lot, and I'm like, I like it, but mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Um, uh, but yeah, and and Carve is, uh, you know, he's got the devil and angel on his shoulder, and at the end of the day, he has uh, got to make a choice as to what kind of police he's going to be. And uh, that was the last straw for him. He yells at Daniels and is like, I'm going to take this opening uh on at the western you know as a sergeant uh, for season three uh bunny colvin uh it's gonna be a great season guys and then walks out um and of course you know they didn't know they were gonna get a season three but uh they luckily did and got a bunch of nice setup for it an interesting point that i didn't notice until this time around uh herc and carve while being like two of the biggest dumbasses alive um they accidentally saved Nikki's life. Right. <laughs> Did you notice that? <laughs> because, uh, you know, Vondis and the Greek had a hit out on him uh, and they were waiting for the cops to um, fucking leave in order to go in and, you know, murder Nikki or murder his family and whatnot. And, uh, and of course, Nikki, uh, I don't know if he actually ever did come home. I think he did at one point, and he did. He came home and was, like, looking for his drugs, and his dad is like, they're gone. There's no drugs here. Uh, I don't know. He has. It's more like, ah, they're gone, yeah? Is he, <laughs> is, he's got kind of a Maine thing going. Yeah, know. he does. He, he looks yeah. like he's from Maine. And he another does. thing about Nikki, like you keep defending, uh, you yeah. keep defending Nikki. I on defend the Ziggy mostly, but go on. But you know, 
Pablo Schreiber, I just got to point out that he is like a, a Jewish guy from Canada, and uh, maybe there's a reason that he was not. He's also Liev Schreiber's brother? Right, yeah. Yeah, so it's not quite Nepo, but... No. Here's my thing. I think he's actually good in this show, although he does, you know, not... He has his moments where I, I don't think are great. And also, I'm always concerned that maybe he's listening to this show, and we like could have gotten him as a guest. I, I like that he's tall. Uh, he's good looking yeah that'll help i don't think he's like a bad a bad actor i just feel like he is a very uh conventional in a lot of his choices in this season and and just in general and and like most of most of the other people in the show are not conventional in that way that he is yeah yeah well you know he uh yeah anyways uh moving on (laughs) do we want to go to favorite and least favorite I think we should go to favorite and least favorite. But l- let me just ask, um, Max, how did you uh, <laughs> take it when you like saw that Vondas was not actually Vondas? This is very, very bad. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I thought that was your name, bro. Um, yeah, it was crazy. Am I right? Ah, rude. It was very rude. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. What did you want to go to? <laughs> favorite, least favorite. Favorite, least favorite. Um, yeah, I uh, I guess if I had to pick a favorite scene, one of my favorites is a very small moment, but like Bunk is um, Bunk and Beatty are while they're trying to solve the case, they go to Philly to see if they can get some information about this uh, the the shepherd of the girls who possibly died there. Um, and uh, they talk to the this Philly cop who might be the dumbest motherfucker <laughs> they've ever talked to. And it's like, it's just really wonderful. We're looking for anything out of the ordinary, probably at night. Oh, unusual. You should have said so before. That's what we... You're right. So absolutely right. Just see if there's anything like that. Nope. All I got is usual. All right. Any way that you can give us the name of the security officer that was working this pier on that night. What was that date again? February 5th. That was Wall. Uh, Wall Stokes. Is he working tonight? It's Tuesday. Walt's off on Tuesdays. What do you want Wall for? See if he can make any of these. Wouldn't do much good. Afraid Walt's not as up to speed as the rest of us. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> come on, bro. And then, of course, it ends with uh, him being like, well, since you came all this way, would you mind checking out all this evidence that we have filed and correlated <laughs> for you? Like, it's yeah. like, come on, dude. I love it. That To me, it's nice to have these like little clown scenes. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, about you? Do you have a favorite least favorite? Mine is very, sim- very related to that scene. Uh, this is... I mean, it's just a one-liner and it's probably my favorite line of the whole season because I laughed so hard that I had to like stop because I was missing the next part of the scene. But when they're in there uh, and they're looking at all the pictures of the dead guys that have their hands. And by the way, I would love to know how they cast the guys who got to be naked corpses uh, on on this show. But uh, Bunk Bunk and Freeman and Beatty are looking at all the (laughs) pictures and Bunk just says... You know, somewhere there's a, a detective looking at, <laughs> looking at a bunch of pictures of heads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just, Which is such a perfect one-liner. 
Yeah, just trying to like put the pieces together. Like, I got these hands, I got these heads. <laughs> I wonder if there's a body somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very good scene. Um, yeah, there's, uh, you know, Bunk, I feel it's it's unfair because there's, Bunk is almost the unsung comic hero of so this good. entire series. And uh, we try to uh, make him not, un- we try to sing him as much as we can. Um, but, you know, again, sometimes we miss it. And in this episode, he also has this great moment. Um, Sorry, the line the cops... was, I bet you there's a fucking police detective somewhere else looking at a table full of heads right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a great line. But there's a there's a scene where they're all also they're like all the cops are looking at the tape that the Philly guy uh, Philly cop gave them. And they finally get around to, um, you know, the the night in question of the guy who got killed and they are watching him get beat up but because it's like nice that they have this like footage from the inside of the place they're like horny for it um and uh i have a clip oh well, tell me we got cameras inside oh oh, yeah. oh jesus oh my pants are wet yeah <laughs> come on baby oh Yo. yeah <laughs> <laughs> like just they're watching a guy getting beat up right before he gets murdered and they're like fuck yeah dude i mean the this feeling rule. of closure that you didn't think you were gonna get on this case I oh mean, absolutely can't blame him yeah uh least favorite uh i have a yeah. i have a big winner for that which is that oh. the show never bothered explaining how two uh middle-aged not very large greeks uh killed a giant Pollock with a knife uh yeah. felt like i would like to know how that happened because uh in my head that is not a very th- easy thing to do and if you do it you're probably not going to come out of that completely unscathed looking like these two dudes just hanging around drinking ouzo the next day yeah um i just kind of like assume they got an extra guy squirreled away somewhere yeah, I feel like we like needed. There's a we big needed, pillar under the bridge. Maybe needed, there's like a big guy. We needed an extra line there. To, I to, wait. I wait for them to tell me come out if I have to, but I hide so camera doesn't see. Like maybe those two guys that were at Nikki's house uh, helped do it, but they never. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I can suspend disbe- disbelief enough to assume that there is just a a very large man behind a pillar. Yeah, but when they said the like, camera. oh, we should have had Sergey do it, they could have just said, oh, we could have had. Uh, well, Sergey do it instead of those other two guys that helped. They us do said, it. you know, that Sergey would have done a better job at sinking the body because the body floated back up. Right. So I think that's what they were saying. Yeah, sure. But I feel yeah. like you could have inserted a, a helpful little plot sure. hole closer there. I think my least favorite scene, and I think you'll appreciate this, is um, Nikki Sabatka after you know he's like sitting around. You know, in the in the can and the union, you know, fucking in Frank's old office, I think. And uh, he is fuming about like killing the ki- I'm going to kill them. And uh, I will have the clip. I'm going to kill him. Mm. Fucking Greek bastards. Get out of my fucking way. Get over me. Fuck all of you. He was there for all of you. And now you know it for him. So. It's not the acting uh, that I'm like talking about here specifically. It's the entire action is so fucking cliched. It's very, again, it's like this very theater 
type scene yeah. where she's like, After I'm going to go special. kill him. Yeah. What now? Do you know where they are? Where are you running to? What if they had let him go? Would he just like, he'd go outside, go like, has anyone seen the Greeks? Like, what <laughs> yeah. would he, he doesn't know where to go. And so like, it seemed like a scene built for a guy saying, hold me back, hold me back. And yeah. I was like, I don't think we, I mean, that's a very hold me back group of guys, but yeah. Sure. I mean, you could count on them to hold him back, but I'm just saying, you know, as a scene, it doesn't do much, but be like, hey, you know, don't be like your cousin. It's like, yeah, okay. Uh, to me, it's the intro is is useless. And what is actually interesting is that his father comes in and he's like, uh, yeah, time for you to go to the cops. Yeah, <laughs> you got to tell him that uh, you was the drug dealer. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, uh, that's me. Hey, I'm Nikki Sabatka's father. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's. I like it. You want a yes and me? We can I talk. Don't, I don't know now that we don't have a guest on right now. I don't right know how now, to yes and that. You just go. Oh hi. You know. Remember? Oh. Oh hey, Nikki Sabatka's uh, father. It's too late now. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late now. Ah, well, that smells. Sticky. All right. <laughs> this is going off the rails. Yeah, so that's my least favorite. Um, and yeah, all in all, you know, uh, the fucking, it's the end of the, the season. We see everything that happens at the end. IBS local is decertified. Johnny, uh, Johnny 50, I think. Johnny something. He pisses on a can. Eton's going to jail. Horse got convicted. You see horse being taken away next to Eton, which poor, I'm like. Poor horse. Poor horse. Um, war horse. Um. The girls are all cleared. You see that. You see Ziggy walking in prison, looking unhappy. Uh, you see Andy Krawcheck and Clay Davis, two of the show's main villains, um, like actual villains, uh, announcing the granary and symbolically using a, a golden shovel to bury the working class. Um, you see <laughs> Beatty is back as a dock police. Uh, they box up everything from the detail. You see the white slingers and hoppers and Locust Point. Frog is still frogging, yelling at old yeah. people. One of those guys has downs. You're like, cool. Um, and uh, everyone gets drunk. And the new shipment of girls and drugs comes on in while Nikki cries. And uh, that's the end of the episode. It's the end of the season. Yeah. That's everything. Jimmy's still out there horn dogging. Yeah, he's still out there, uh, horn dogging, or as Jar Jar would say, Misa Bustin. Misa Bustin. I like it. I think I would give this episode a B plus. What would you give this episode, Vince? Yeah, like I said, maybe the best wire episode, uh, at least up until this point, I would say. So um, by that metric, definitely the solidest of B pluses. Okay, that's fair. Solid B plus. Max, and, uh, what would you give this episode? <laughs> Misa Bustin. Oh, yeah, the solid Bustin' Plus. So it's a B-plus all around. B for Bustin'. B for Bustin' and a solid A-plus episode of Pod Yourself, The Wire. Uh, please listen to all of Max's music. Uh, he apologizes for n not being able to stick around, but he loves all of you, and he will be back soon to... Uh, you know, to hear me do more impressions of his voice. So Eve six at Eve six on Twitter uh, and listen to uh, all of their music on Spotify um, or actually just buy records. Don't listen on Spotify. Spotify is literally evil. Okay. 
patreon.com slash frockcast for all of the bonus episodes also the eight dollar tier gives you a street name and vince these are our last for season two so are you ready because there's a few and we're starting off with and this is his real name john joseph mcnulty who goes by joe mcnulty Ooh, uh, ooh, Joe McNulty. That's a, yeah. I mean, what do we, yeah, we could just call this guy the rascal because he's a McNulty. And, the, you know, McNulty's are all rascals. It's genetic. I like it. They can't help it. They're Irish. They're Irish. It's in their blood. It's in the blood of Christ. Okay, next is Graham Hegler. We call this guy Baldy because he's the bald Hegel. Oh, very good. <laughs> nice. Next is Stephen Cohen. Mm, Stevie Cohen. Are we sure this guy is not uh, one of Maurice Levy's pals? I feel like he's... That's just, that's just no? racist. <laughs> that's just racist. No, that's fine. I like yeah. it. Go we'll on. He's one of, he sounds like he could be uh, at uh, Maury's law firm. So we're going to call him the counselor. I love it. Jewish lawyer. Uh, next is uh, Yuri... Uh, Borakio. Bo- wait, no. Boreko? Boreko. Boriqua. No, Boreko. I think you got it. I'm going to call him the Puerto Rican because he's a Boriqua. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. worried. Uh, next is Just JK. That is what the so name he's, is. He's just, $10 just kidding. Yeah, we're going to call yeah. this guy Josh because he's, he's just Joshin. I like it. I hope the J actually does stand for Josh. That would rule. Uh, three more. Neil Schneider. Mm, we're going to call this guy Jaws because he reminds me of Roy Scheider. Okay. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, next is Kyler Pledger Rose. Frat boy. <laughs> I mean, his name is Kyler. No, it was more because his pleasure, his last name Pledger. Oh, Pledger. Okay. Because. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of it kind of works. But he's also pledging money to the fight. That's true. That's true. Uh, name like Pleasure Rose still smells. I don't know. Yeah, no, there's something. Yeah. And finally, um, our last for season two, Pam Claridge. Are you are you saying are you saying Pan? Pam. Pan. It sounds like you're saying Pan. I'm saying Pam, not Pan. Pan? Yeah, Pan Clarence. I'm having a stroke. I was just doing a Step Brothers thing there. Oh, I thought that was a, a something from The Office. Mm, mm, mm. Either way, what's this person's name? <laughs> I'm going to say we call her P. Claire. Oh, like an E. Claire. Yeah, but her name's Pam Claridge, P. Claire. You know, you guys get it. P. Claire is good. You know what? We could just call her the pastry. Oh, the pastry. We got it. That is all of the nicknames for this episode and all the nicknames that you're going to hear in season two of Pod Yourself the Wire. Once again, if you fell through the cracks, let us know because we will make it right. Um, of course, you'll have to wait a season, but we, we call will him make it queef because right. he's always falling through the cracks. Through the so, cracks. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. Yeah, see, he'll do that to yeah, you. I'll do that. You want yeah. that. Um, so yeah, uh, let us know broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. And also questions we are doing next week. 
uh, we're doing the mailbag episode. And we'll be doing another announcement in the feed just so people uh, can be reminded of it. But yes, we are doing a mailbag episode. Send all of your questions, uh, your voice memos, your emails uh, to frogcast at gmail.com. Uh, sign up for the Patreon. Even like even if you don't yes. want to uh, pledge money, like you could sign up at a free level and just maybe you get future uh, announcements on where to find my writings and such. That's right. That's right. So you can just sign as a patron to. I mean, learn preferably about that give stuff. us money, but you know. Yeah, the money is the most important thing, um, especially you know now that uh, Vince is destitute. That's right. Um, That's right. He is. He's dying. I'm watching him right now. He's literally eating sand. <laughs> And he's going, Mamma Mia, what happened to my future? And it's like, wow, that's Italian of you. <laughs> but yes, please, patreon.com slash broadcast. Join now. And Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everyone. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Toast.
hurts to bitch so many dead girls <laughs> all right well see you next season you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.